Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability, and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its applications. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am so excited today to have my good friend, uh, colleague, Dr. Ina Hazan, um, here to talk about a subject uh, we've actually had people reaching out for us to talk about. And uh, Ina and I have tried to schedule this uh, for months now, so I'm glad we actually found a time that works both for us to talk about residence, residence frequency breathing. And so, uh, Ina, welcome back to the show. It's, it's been a couple months. Uh, I think our last one together was uh, when we published the book. So uh, just a reminder to folks, uh, the heartbeat of business is uh, still out there and selling copies. So uh, always good to see when your sales, uh, you know, tick up here and there. So uh, Ina, welcome to the show today. And uh, since most of our audience are probably familiar uh, with you and your work at this point, uh, let's just jump into RF uh, breathing. So I know, and I've shared with our audience probably a few dozen times at this point, I really believe this has changed my life. Uh, it's definitely changed my heart rate variability. And everything I know about HRV is that it's connected to so many things that, and I'm overdramatic, as you well know. So I'm going to say uh, you introducing me to this topic and getting in my app has uh, at least been a huge contributor to my all-time average going from about 40 to now over 80. Um, there are some other things I contribute to that, but if I was look looking for one thing I changed, it was integrating this into my mindfulness uh, practice. So, so let's start out with the basics for our listener. RF uh, breathing, uh, what is it? All right. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me back. I'm so glad that we got a chance to, you know, finally schedule yes. uh, this conversation. And I am so impressed with your uh, heart rate variability uh, <laughs> and the difference you've made for yourself with resonance frequency is um, is amazing. We could all hope, you know, to be a little bit like you. <laughs> um, in, in that way, at least. Uh, I don't know if I'd encourage much else, but at least in that way. <laughs> well. That's a good way, right? That, that's one good way. Um, so residence frequency breathing. Um, it's a, it's a uh, optimal breathing rate that stimulates uh, the heart rate to oscillate in, in, uh, in ways that produce the highest um, heart rate um, oscillations, meaning that you know your heart rate goes up as much as possible with each breath in and goes down as much as possible with each breath out, uh, which is which is heart rate variability, and that is uh, that is what we want 
Um, and, you know, resonance frequency breathing uh, is a way to train heart durability to produce these high oscillations at the time of practice. Um, it's kind of like a workout for your nervous system, right? So, you know, just like when you go to the gym and, you know, lift some uh, dumbbells and throw some kettlebells around, uh, your muscles get stronger uh, each time. And you don't need to keep those dumbbells and kettlebells around with you in order to keep your muscle strength, right? In order, you know, so if you've been uh, working out for a couple of months and a friend asks you to help them lift a couch, uh, you are much better able to do that without anything special at that point. So all that working out you've, you've been doing, you know, is doing its job in the background. So residence frequency uh, breathing does the same thing for your um, heart rate variability and your autonomic nervous system in general. So for your ability to regulate your activation, your ability to adapt uh, to changes uh, in your environment. Um, so by doing a residence frequency breathing, uh, ideally 20 minutes uh, a day, trains your nervous system to regulate itself better uh, so that, you know, when you encounter a challenge, your nervous system is uh, already better at meeting that challenge. It's it's uh, it's going to be easier for you to respond uh, in healthier, more helpful ways without necessarily having to do anything special. So those 20 minutes a day where resonance frequency breathing drives maximum heart rate oscillations, it trains, you know, the uh, it trains the foundations of heart rate variability, trains the main sources of heart rate variability, so that when you return to to normal breathing your heart variability um, becomes a little bit higher, you know, uh, and over time, uh, you know, gains uh, uh, strength, you know, just like, you know, Matt, you've noticed you know, with uh, resonance frequency uh, training, your heart variability at baseline at normal breathing rates uh, increased. Uh, that's, that's the idea. Your heart variability goes up over time, signaling that your nervous system is better able to regulate itself. Okay, so let me ask you, to, that's a great, great, simple definition. I think I'm just going to listen to that over and over again until I get that down. So uh, great introduction to it. So a couple of follow-up questions here. One is, where where did this come from? Because it is a, and maybe you can talk a little bit about how, how we establish it, because I, I'm someone who's probably read, oh man, at least... 30 books on mindfulness over the years, if not more, uh, probably double that with everything I've read, podcasts. And until I met you and got into heart rate variability, even with heart rate variability, getting into that, hadn't even heard this term. So something that I credit to doubling my heart rate variability I have a master's degree in psychology. I'm a brain nerd. I'm a polyvagal nerd. And never heard about this. So I love maybe just a little bit of kind of history and why isn't this out there um, in a bigger way in the, the mindfulness uh, arena, which I know leads to a lot of your work uh, in this arena as well. Um, um, I, why it's not more out there, I'm honestly not entirely sure. Uh, I guess that's what we are doing is helping yes. get this, you know, be more out there. Uh, but, you know, the, the history uh, goes back to um, you know, so, some of this work uh, was initially done uh, in the former Soviet Union, um, you know, in particularly in, in Russia by a scientist named Yevgeny Vashilo. Um, so he, he met a, an American scientist, uh, Paul Lair, um, you know, Paul Lair's uh, at uh, Rutgers at Robert Wood Johnson uh, Medical School. Um, and, you know, so 
uh, Dr. Lair went to Russia to St. Peter, well, Leningrad at the time. Um, and, um, you know, he was interested in psychophysiology. So he met uh, Yevgeny Bashilo, um, you know, who was doing this work on um, heart variability. They started, you know, talking about it, working on it together. Um, and eventually, uh, um, Dr. Bashilo came over to New Jersey and, you know, um, he and Dr. Lear were working together for uh, many, many years. And it, it's from their work that residence frequency uh, breathing as a way to train heart variability emerged. Mm -hmm. um, so the way this works is your um, ma many systems in the body oscillate. Right. Um, you know, your heart rate goes up and down, your blood pressure goes up and down. Um, and, you know, they were working with how do these systems oscillate together and how do they play off of each other? Uh, so this term residence came into play. You know, residence is a, a physics term, right? It's not a term that's specific to HRV. It's not a term specific to physiology. Um, it's just a term that <clears throat> describes an um uh, a system where it, that has two parts that interplay with each other, uh, and one part of the system stimulates another to produce maximum oscillations. So that's resonance. Um, <clears throat> you can think of it as uh, pushing a child on a swing, right? So as I'm you, hoping we get to that analogy. <laughs> yeah, isn't that? I love that analogy. Is <laughs> uh, as you. Uh, you know, you as an adult, you know, pushing the child in a swing. So that's the two parts of the of this oscillating system, right? The you know, you and the child in the swing is the other part. Uh, and you can push the swing in many ways, right? You can push the swing, you know, like once with a lot of force, and the swing is going to go up, uh, but not evenly, right? It's going to you know be quite bumpy, and then it's going to come down, and and then you know not go up much after that, and the child is not going to be too thrilled with you. Um, and or you can uh, push the swing with short, frequent bursts, right? And the swing is going to go up. Just a little bit and come right back down and again the child is going to be quite unhappy with you you're not doing the job of entertaining them uh, or you can figure out a way of pushing that swing in even measured ways right uh, push up let it come down push up let it come down um, and you know figure out a way to push that swing so it goes up as much as possible and come down as much as possible it goes up as much as possible and comes down as much as possible uh, and it does that you know, uh, uh, again this is a regular uh, measured smooth way mm -hmm. and that's when the child is happy right yeah. and then you know they're flying out they're coming down it's smooth it's fun it's safe it's entertaining um the the same so that's a resonance frequency rate of pushing the swing, right? It maximizes the way in which the swing goes up uh, and in which it comes down. Your heart rate and your breath work in the same way, right? So you stimulating the swing is just like your breath stimulating the heart rate. Mm. As you breathe in, your heart rate goes up. As you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. <clears throat> and you can find an optimal way of breathing that will produce these maximum oscillations, the maximum way for the heart rate to go up and come down maximally as well. Um, <clears throat> and, and this is that interplay that Dr. Lair and Dr. Bachello, um found and tested uh, to see how this, how exactly this works uh, in the cardiovascular, um, cardiovascular system. So they found that for most people, uh, breathing somewhere between four and seven uh, breaths per minute creates uh, this, you know, resonance uh, interplay uh, relationship. So we all have our own resonance frequency breathing rate that will maximize our heart variability.
Uh, and we need to find what that resonance frequency breathing rate is for each one of us um, and then use it uh, to maximize the efficiency of HRV training. So I, I think we've well established that four breaths a minute is the best rate to, to breathe at. At least that's what I'm putting on the t-shirt. Certainly uh, is for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to I start uh, get the 4.0s uh, together. But so mm. we, we have, I know in the app, uh, you know, you, you do, I believe, seven two-minute uh, exercises at different breathing rates. Uh, to establish your specific RF breathing rate. And mine is uh, four breaths per minute, which I, sometimes I, I find even if I'm sitting down doing it, I can work up a sweat doing, especially early on. I mean, when you call it a workout, um, especially when I go up to high altitudes here in Colorado, it, it, it does feel like that. Now, uh, the more I do it, just like any other activity, the less I, I feel like exertion. It becomes more of a natural, like the, the child on the swing. I feel like there's a flow to it that develops. But what are we looking for? So what, what is happening when I go through our assessment at 4.0 and for other people's maybe uh, seven breaths a minute, that this is good for Ina, this is good for, for Matt, and we all just shouldn't breathe at six breaths per minute, which is kind of standardized in the literature that, that I have seen uh, uh, before really diving into this. Yeah, so let me address the six breaths per minute. That is um, the breathing rate that kind of gets close enough for enough people um, that uh, quite a few research studies, rather than determining everyone's residence frequency breathing rate, would just have everybody breathe at six breaths per minute. Um, and, you know, six breaths per minute is better than not pacing yourself. We're not breathing within that range at all, not doing any of this training. Um, but there are a couple of studies that have shown that determining your actual residence frequency breathing rate does produce more efficient uh, results, you know, uh, increases uh, HRV a little bit more, you know, reduces symptoms a bit more. Um, so, you know, given that HRV training is something that we really commit to and, you know, make time for in our lives, uh, residence frequency assessment takes 14 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so adding that one little step and determining what the, your residence frequency breathing rate is uh, then maximizes the efficiency of your training. So all the time that you're dedicating to doing your HRV training, if you just add this little, you know, 15 minute uh, part to it, um, your training will be that much more efficient. And it's possible that your residence frequency breathing rate is indeed six breaths per minute, yeah. um, which will serve to confirm that you are getting the most out of that training. But there are certainly quite a few people for whom six breaths per minute is not exactly it, right? You know, you are at four, I'm normally at five, you know, there are people who are at six and a half, five and a half, four and a half, et cetera. Um, and uh, I, I think it's very much uh, worth it to determine your own unique uh, resonance frequency breathing rate. Um, it is also uh, important, I'm glad you mentioned this idea of exertion, right? Um, when you're slowing down your breath, that much, right? Most people breathe 14, 15 breaths per minute at baseline. So slowing down to seven breaths per minute or below is not necessarily natural. Right. <clears throat> and for some people it can feel effortful. Mm -hmm. um, we do want the breath to be effortless. 
uh, that does seem uh, that does make a difference. Certainly makes it more pleasant, uh, but also you know more efficient. Um, so one thing I recommend for people to do prior to determining their residence frequency breathing rate is first practice breathing at say six. Uh, breaths per minute, uh, just for the sake of learning how to slow down that much. So I don't want people breathing at six breaths per minute just all the time, right? I, again, I do right. think that determining your RF breathing rate is incredibly important. Um, but it's first, it, it is first important to learn how to slow down. Um, for folks who jump into residence frequency determination without be becoming comfortable with slow breathing first, um, the assessment might not actually be as accurate because you may not be able to keep pace, right? If it's uncomfortable, um, you may not be able to actually, you know, um, slow down to four breaths per minute. The, you know, there are people who say, uh, oh, I feel so much more comfortable breathing at six breaths per minute, but the data shows that they're much, you know, that their residence frequency is four, yeah. right? So the question becomes, well, you know, is this accurate? Should I be breathing at six? Uh, the data most of the time is actually, you know, if it's pointing you to four, I would go with that. But yeah. it's really important to learn how to be comfortable. It, it, it is possible that your residence frequency breathing rate is initially uncomfortable just because you're not used to breathing that way but it is the one that's producing these maximal oscillations in your um, HRV. So spending a little time getting comfortable with low and slow breathing around six breaths per minute is, uh, I really can't emphasize enough how important it is. And I know quite a few people have attempted to skip that step uh, and just you know get to the good stuff, figure out your um, yeah. RF breathing rate, but don't do it. Get comfortable yeah. with slow breathing first. Well, and I, I'd love our listeners, if they haven't, to go back to Dr. Dave and uh, my episodes on nasal breathing, too. I just, uh, of how we take in air and get air out, uh, uh, can just add bonuses to this uh, as we, we go through um, and, and really practice this breathing. And so, you know, one thing, you know, and I, I won't make this just about Matt's questions about his RF, but, but, you know, here in Colorado, we have a unique thing. And as a traveler, having uh, uh, sometimes traveling, I was in D.C. a couple weeks ago. And then I spent a lot of time up in Keystone, Colorado, which is about 10,000 feet. And obviously, very different oxygen levels. And then I live sort of halfway between those at about uh, 5,000, a little over 5,000 feet. So um, I believe I've learned from you that altitude really doesn't make that big of a difference. And I should still, that it's more of the rate that's important. Not We're not really dealing with oxygen, carbon dioxide. That's kind of a whole nother podcast. Very important, but not really what we're doing with RF frequency. Am I, am I in the ballpark uh, with that? Yeah. So your residence frequency breathing rate does not does not change. Mm -hmm. uh, let me expand on this a, a little bit. Um, it does change for kids. Yeah. Uh, once a person reaches their final adult size, their residence frequency breathing rate does not change. Uh, the only aspect that seems to influence our residence frequency is how tall we are. Um, that seems to be the only thing. Uh, so and there, there is a correlation, taller people tend to have lower residence frequency breathing rates. So, you know, Matt, you're at four, you know, you're certainly following that correlation nicely. Yeah. It's not a perfect correlation. I have seen people whose residence frequency is four and they're not like Matt. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen people who are tall with 
higher residence frequency, uh, but there is generally a correlation. Um, let me also say that lower residence frequency is no better than higher residence frequency. It's it's just what yeah. it is. It's not a competition. <laughs> it was for you, Matt. Not a competition. Um, it's Four just like you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know. What's your hair color? What's your eye color? Yeah. What's your residence frequency breathing rate? It's just you know you know what uh, what breathing rate produces maximum oscillations of your body, and that's it. Um, you know, it, it, so it, it doesn't it doesn't change. You're not supposed to increase it or decrease it. Uh, it's just a characteristic that you know that's yours. Okay. Um, so if you have kids, um, their residence frequency will change as they grow. So you know, and until probably the age of I don't know, maybe 20 or so, you want to you want to retest your residence frequency every year. Uh, kids' uh, residence frequency tends to be higher, maybe, you know, like six to 10, depending on the age. Um, once they hit about 13, uh, the residence frequency becomes, you know, that same as it is for adults, about four to seven, but it might still keep changing until that teenager, you know, gets to their final adult size. Uh, so just something to keep in mind. Once you are at your final adult height um, and weight does not change your uh, residence frequency, you know, um, just to, uh, you know, I, you know, comfort, comfort those whose weight changes as, uh, um, you know, as we uh, go through our adulthood. Uh, but uh, once uh, we are at the final adult size, residence frequency remains the same. And it doesn't matter if you are at sea level, if you are at 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet, it does not matter. Um, resonance frequency breathing does help at altitude uh, because it helps with oxygen absorption. Mm. Right. So, you know, if you find yourself, you know, in Keystone or in Quito, Ecuador, 10,000 yeah. feet, uh, you are, uh, it, what helps to uh, get the most oxygen out of the air is actually do some resonance frequency uh, breathing because uh, what happens is you're breathing in at the same time as your heart rate is speeding up. So you're extracting as much oxygen um, as possible uh, from the lungs and then the heart is able to you know, get it to the rest of the body. Um, you, the amount of oxygen uh, in, the, uh, in the air uh, actually doesn't change. Uh, you know, there is 21% oxygen at sea level. There is 21% oxygen, you know, at higher altitudes. What changes is with atmospheric pressure, the distance between oxygen molecules becomes uh, uh, larger, right? So the oxygen molecules are more scattered. So with each breath, you know, the, you know, once you are, you know, past, you know, five, 6,000 feet, um, that you're effectively taking in less oxygen with each breath. Um, and, you know, when you're at 10,000 feet, you may not be getting quite enough. Um, it, it, it doesn't really change what you're supposed to be doing with your breathing. You just want to make sure that you are getting, you know, um, enough oxygen, you've, you've acclimated to altitude, et cetera. And at some point, you just, you know, obviously as you go up higher, <clears throat> um, there may not be enough oxygen, um, you know, or the oxygen molecules are so spread out that, you know, you need supplemental oxygen, um, but usually not at 10,000 feet. Yeah, if you're up that high, you, you're probably planning to be up that high, so. Exactly, hopefully. <laughs> so so the other thing that I, I find interesting, uh, and it was funny, it was uh, Dave Janelle, who's been on our podcast, is where we've, we were at the, the, the applied, applied bio, oh, AP, 
AAPB Appli Association for Applied Psychophysiology and Biofeedback. Yeah, it's such a mouthful. I, I need to really memorize that, which you are currently president of, president of if I'm president elect. President elect. All right. So, um, you know, we were we were huddling, and one of the things with our app, and I know we've got a really, really exciting upgrade coming out soon. Uh, and we'll we'll hold off on that upgrade. Um, until it comes out, because I'm so excited about it, both with my own practice and, and to get it out to the world. Um, but the interesting thing is we were kind of huddling and as all we we're all HRV nerds uh, and comparing our, our RF rates, uh, trying to argue that ours was the best, even though we know better. Um, the, the one thing I thought was was interesting that, that I hadn't paid attention to, because I sort of do this, uh, my my 20 minute really mindful practice in the morning. And then I don't usually hook up to a biofeedback device. So I've started to do that a little bit more because I do kind of a, a Tai Chi uh, moving uh, mindfulness meditation at RF frequency. And I just find that spectacular. Um, gets this my pre-work uh, kind of warm up, pre-game uh, kind of warm up for work. And then I do like 20 minutes at night while I watch TV, basically as bonus. It's like an extra credit project where you're not, you know, you're not probably doing everything you need to do, but you just want to pick up some points along the way. One of the things that that I got alerted to, uh, I think was Dave, but Janelle was talking about it as well, is when we focused on the breathing, turning off the television and really focusing, doing a mindfulness with the biofeedback we will actually see more fluctuation in our heart rate. So, you know, initially I kind of thought, well, I'm doing it. Focus isn't that important because I could do curls and watch TV at the same time in the gym. I don't think my biceps are getting any less of a workout. But we're, we were all kind of seeing this thing. Well, when we're actually paying attention to only our breathing or a mindfulness activity playing in the background, we saw a lot more fluctuation. Then I went home and tried it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool stuff. So what do you have any idea what's going on here and why mental focus improves the, the variability during a, a RF frequency breathing practice? Yeah, I do think we need a lot more research to pinpoint exactly what's going on. So I will give you some educated guesses. Uh, I think... Partly, it just may be, may be that we're actually better able to follow the resonance frequency breathing rate uh, when our full attention is on it, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, sort of the simplest uh, uh, explanation. Uh, you know, if, if part of your brain is focused on something else, you're probably not following your resonance frequency breathing rate, even if you have a pacer in front of you, um, not following it as accurately. So that's one. Um, two, uh, you know, what's driving these oscillations, you know, the ups and downs of the heart rate, the accelerations and decelerations is your uh, vagal nerve, which is one of the cranial, it's the 10th cranial nerve that uh, comprises most of our parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and the, the vagal nerve has, you know, projections obviously into the body um, and it has projections into the brain. So when, you know, heart variability training stimulates the vagal nerve, um, so I suspect, and, and we do know that um, there is an association between more mindful uh, states and an increase in um, heart rate variability. Um, 
So I suspect that what's happening um, when you're more uh, more focused and you're engaging uh, the parts of the brain that are also helping uh, to uh, engage the vagal nerve um, and you know further stimulate the uh, heart rate um, oscillation. So I think you're getting just you know more bang for your buck uh, by engaging both the mind and the body. Fascinating. It makes total sense too with what we know about the the vagal nerve. So the 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 final piece here that that I, I kind of want to touch on a little bit because I know I've got the world's expert on on this question uh, on the podcast with me today is I, I I need a new analogy here. So if you can help me with that, that would be great. But uh, you know, having integrate RF frequency into my mindfulness practice. The, the, the best, and I love my analogies, as our listeners were know. So, so I always have to find an analogy or I don't understand the world. So, I, you know, I, I really have used this analogy of basically integrating RF frequency breathing or RF breathing into my morning mindfulness practice is like mindfulness on steroids without any of the bad stuff. It was just like this, this supplement. I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know the tremendous research behind, you know, different forms of meditation out there, uh, mindfulness activities, things like yoga, tai chi, uh, loving kindness. There's all this research into these various techniques. I felt like as a um, somebody who does moving meditation, um, that are just is it's just like steroids. It's like I said, I haven't come up with a better analogy. So. I, I would just love to get your one. If you have a better analogy for me, I'd love to hear it. But two, I just like bring us with this connection. Uh, give the title of your book, which was just a huge resource for me to bring these two together. And I think brilliant uh, piece of work that that we need out there in the world in a very important way right now. But just the, the overlap as your work has done bringing RF breathing into, uh, I guess, more traditional mindfulness practices? Um, I kind of like mindfulness of steroids. With okay, okay. I did. It works. People get it. It's just yeah. don't take steroids. I, I'm, right. not, I'm not promoting steroid use. That, uh, just that uh, caveat. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can, you know, think of uh, uh, another... Um, Another analogy, I guess you can think of it as, you know, feeding two birds with one bagel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? like you know, you're accomplishing like two goals at once. Um, you know, the interesting part is the research on mindfulness and HRV um, shows a couple of things. One is, you know, heart variability is a really good index uh, of self-regulation. Um, so, you know, HRV is an excellent way to assess the effectiveness of mindfulness-based interventions, for example. But uh, the research around, you know, does meditation increase heart variability is actually quite mixed. Yeah. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, and again, we, you know, we don't, we need more research on this, but I suspect what's happening is when people are meditating, they don't necessarily slow down their breathing and they certainly don't necessarily slow down to their resonance frequency breathing rate. Uh, you know, some uh, very experienced meditators actually slow down way, way more, right? They end up breathing at like two and a half, three breaths per minute, uh, which is 
slower than optimal, right? So they're not maximizing their heart durability or, you know, people who breathe a little bit faster uh, during meditation, again, they're not maximizing their heart durability. Um, so I suspect that that's the reason for the mixed uh, research. Some people probably end up, you know, close to their resonance frequency and that helps increase HRV. And those that are higher or, you know, or lower um, don't increase HRV um, sufficiently. There, you know, a couple of studies that have looked at uh, mindfulness using slow paced breathing, and they usually pace at six breaths per minute, are finding very positive results. And I suspect that that's exactly why that they're pairing, you know, you know, they're pairing two of these really powerful um, interventions uh, together. So we, we really do need more research, you know, to see uh, how the combination of the two works compared to, you know, uh, uh, each one of them each one of them separately, um, you know, as, as far as increases in the HRV, uh, in HRV go. So when I do think you get, you know, more bang for your buck, you're, you know, utilizing the good, you know, steroids or, you know, you're yeah. feeding two birds with one bagel, whatever you want to call it. You know, if you're going to be spending your time, you know, if you're going to be dedicating the 20 minutes a day to practice, why not combine, you know, two interventions that will engage, you know, both the autonomic nervous system uh, and the central nervous system, your brain, um, in a way that, you know, helps uh, uh in, in some ways actually synchronize their activity. Um, and most importantly, they're both working on self-regulation, right? Yeah. You know, mindfulness is a self-regulation tool. HRV biofeedback is a self-regulation tool. So you're combining the two together and you are just getting more um, out of the practice. Interesting. So almost maybe like in the, the swing analogy, which I love, is like the six breaths per minute that's, that's usually integrated in these studies might might not be the optimal but it's going to create a happier child than if you're not paying if you're just kind of all over the place exactly so, yeah you're still you're 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 getting there you're going to make the kid a happy some will be like perfectly in bliss because six is close enough or at your rf but somebody like me with a four i i could make a small adjustment to make that child even happier and get more benefits uh, out of out of the practice. Um, it, it, that's exactly that's exactly right. Uh, it's a small, it's a fairly small adjustment that can make a really big uh, can make a really big difference. Awesome. Well, well, let me get you out on on this kind of future thinking question. Is like I said, somebody who's been. I think I read my first mindfulness book. My my grandfather gave me something when I was like in fourth grade, and I've been fascinated with it ever since and uh, then got over being bad at it and, and pra have practiced it consistently for 15 years. Never came across this until I started to, to learn about uh, picking up your book was the first time I, I really learned about this uh, and started to think about this uh, clinically as a mental health professional and like, holy heck, like, you know, one of the reasons I reached out to, to you initially uh, was like, how how do I get this on folks' trauma, um, homeless? Like, how, how do I get this to populations who maybe we think about mindfulness a little bit, uh, but folks that really need to maximize uh, any recovery time? So I, I just love for uh, just to look into the future. It's, it's something that I think with technology, 
where I think one of the reasons I may have not have heard about it is if uh, most of the history of RF breathing, I'd have to probably get hooked up to a very expensive machine to get my RF breathing rate. Um, so I just love to ask you a question is now, you know, with our app at five bucks a month with 14 minutes uh, with, with a fairly inexpensive, uh, you know, monitor on. So a very, very, you know, uh, you'd probably pay for two years of our app, uh, just what it would take to initially establish it uh, historically. What is sort of your hope for this uh, as, as a leader in this field uh, who's written, again, tremendous uh, books on this subject, speaks so eloquently about it? Where, where do you hope that the power of this uh, goes in the future? Oh, I certainly hope it goes to being available to every single human being out there. Uh, because you know, if you if you really think about it, it's fairly simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we found a way to make this be inexpensive, right? You know, yeah. you know, between modern technology and you know some of the you know a lot of the work put into the app, um, you know, this is this is now available to. Uh, to anyone you know who who is interested, yeah. um, you know, time investment is, you know, on the one hand, fairly minimal, twenty minutes a day. It can feel, you know, like wait a minute, I don't have twenty minutes a day, so it certainly is a time investment. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge um, time commitment. It's you know, it's very possible to integrate this uh, gradually uh, into your life. And I really do hope that everybody takes advantage of this. This is not just for people who, you know, have. Um, issues although i guess since every every single person out there has issues i guess it is for everybody you know who has issues um the point is this is not necessarily you know to work with a particular problem um you know um hrv training is a really powerful way to work with you know with trauma and with you know chronic illnesses and you know depression anxiety etc um but it's also just a really good way to improve our lives. It's a really good way to improve our well-being. Uh, so, you know, I really do hope that, you know, everybody uh, gets a hold of this because why, you know, who can't get better at self-regulation, right? You know, who couldn't benefit from responding in health in healthier, more helpful ways to stressors coming our way, right? There isn't a single person out there who doesn't wish to respond in a more helpful way, at least some of the time. Um, so I re I really hope that uh, you know folks you know pick up a um, HRV monitor you know get our app um, and uh, gets you know get started with this training you know uh, all this process is described in a lot of detail in my book by feedback and mindfulness in everyday life um, and you know we walk you through this step by step in the app uh, you know uh, optimal HRV is the only um, app out there that will walk you through in this very concrete. Um, you know, easy to understand way for how to get your resonance frequency uh, uh, breathing rate. Uh, you learn how to breathe slowly first, as I mentioned, that's that's quite important. Um, and uh, Optimal actually provides a way for you to do that. Um, just you know, experimenting with uh, different um, different pacers and getting comfortable. Uh, and then getting to your resonance frequency determination, where you breathe at two minutes, at seven breaths per minute, six and a half, six, five and a half, five four and no five five four and a half and four um so 14 minutes uh there is a little a little bit of a break between uh each one to you know if you need if you 
need a break uh, between the different breathing rates, but you go through them in the solder and at the end, the algorithm spits out, this is your ideal breathing rate. Um, you know, the, the app is looking at uh, <clears throat> several determinants of uh, uh, ideal uh, breathing rate um, and tells you which of these breathing rates produces that for you. Uh, and then you can use that uh, resonance frequency uh, breathing rate or your ideal breathing rate in your subsequent uh, HRV uh, training. So it's it's not simple in a sense that uh, you do need to dedicate some time and you do, you do need to commit to doing this, uh, but it's not complicated otherwise. Uh, and the, the app really does make it as easy as possible. You know, you can uh, then, once you have your residence frequency breathing rate, you can integrate it into your mindfulness and self-compassion practices um, and uh, get on your way to improving self-regulation, improving well-being, and just being healthier and happier. Awesome. And and as part of that, uh, you know, I know I've always, I've asked three last questions now, but but one of the things that that I've seen, um, and you you sort of led into this as well, is one is I, I see, I've seen mindfulness for, for quite a while now as both a practice and a skill set. And I think in your book, using flair is what, what I've adopted because it's so, such a good model uh, bringing in uh, some of the skills and how do you, yeah, I practice and then I'm, I'm sort of building those skills. Like you gave that great analogy is I go do curls, kettlebells in the gym. Then when somebody asks me to move, I can perform at a higher rate. Um, I've also found just within my own stumbling through life as I do uh, with RF, I, I found also like if I, if I have a few minutes of quiet before a training, I do a little RF breathing rate. Uh, I, I do it a little bit when I'm on, uh, this is a, a great practice for me, when I'm on the ski lift going up the hill. Uh, before, uh, if I'm going to go on a good run, I, I, I practice RF get just because I'm on a chairlift. I don't have anything else to do. Uh, you know, but I also have found this to be a useful tool. Just to almost, I guess the best way I could describe it is I almost level out um, you know, whereas, you know, at least for me as a trainer, you've got a whole lot of things going on. You're trying to set up your technology. You're talking to people, this, that, the other. And if I can just sneak away for a quick moment and even do like two minutes of RF, which, which I know is probably not changing a whole lot of my physiology, but I've almost practiced it for so many hours now that that calm, almost just get at that four breaths per minute. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go, not necessarily even relaxed, but I'm ready to perform. And I just kind of, I know you've worked with athletes, uh, special forces. Have other people found kind of the, the usefulness as, as a tool sort of in the moment of performance or right before a performance? Yes, um, absolutely. And this is a really good uh, way to point, uh, point this out, Matt. Um, the 20 minutes a day is like this, you know, just like this workout that prepares, you know, your body for self-regulation, that trains the ability of the nervous system to self-regulate. Um, and then when you are, uh, you know, preparing for a performance or before something stressful or in the middle of a stressful situation, um, as long as you have that foundational training. So this is important. Uh, just doing a couple of minutes of resonance frequency breathing every once in a while is not going to do a whole lot. It might help a little bit in the moment, but not a whole lot. You do have to establish that um, you know, foundational uh, uh, training. Uh, but once that's there, 
and you know, let's say you are, you know, preparing for that, uh, you know, ski run on the chairlift, uh, getting a couple of minutes of breathing does two things. Um, one is it just it get you know you can at this point quickly get into your body into that better self-regulatory state. It's a nice way to remind your body to self-regulate because you know at this point with all the training you've been doing, your body knows how to do it, so it just needs a reminder. Um, and you know, our bodies learn a lot. Uh, bodies and brains learn a whole lot by association. You know the so-called you know classical Pavlovian conditioning, right? Uh, where you know when you know one stimulus gets associated with another, you know we can then start producing the result that uh, in the past would not have uh, come about. So that state of self-regulation, as you said, Matt, it's not relaxation. Um, and I think this is really important. This is not a relaxation practice. This is a self-regulation practice. So when you do this practice before a ski run or before a presentation, your body prepares for performance and action. If you do this before going to sleep, your body is going to prepare to wind down and go to sleep because that's what self-regulation is all about, adjusting your activation to whatever your needs are. Right. So uh, by doing this uh, uh, foundational practice, you are associating this kind of breathing with better self-regulation. Right, that's the Pavlovian conditioning. You do the breathing, uh, it creates uh, better self-regulation. That's the natural uh, part of it. Uh, and then just taking a few breaths, which in the past would not have done a whole lot, now because of this uh, association, because of this conditioning, uh, produce a state of much better self-regulation because your body is used to that. Uh, and that is a really powerful in the moment uh, tool. You know, you can be going into a stressful meeting. You take 30 seconds, you know, to take, you know, three low and slow breaths at your residence frequency and your body is in a much better uh, regulated um, state. So it can be helpful uh, in the moment um, as long as you're doing your longer practices as well. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to end up. You said it really quick. Say the name of your book one more time. By a feedback and mindfulness in everyday life. Get it, people. Um, the, the really, uh, you know, and I, I, I love Ina just as a friend and a colleague, but the, the book really I, I, is so important to really, uh, from, from a user perspective, because it's really, I read it and all I could think about the first time I read through it was me, because uh, I wanted to pull the goodies into my life. And then thinking about it from a clinical perspective, really integrating this in. We've got the technology now to really supplement mental health care. I, I really see like RF breathing practice, throw some mindfulness on it, use the mindfulness on steroids. It's like as a therapist, the old school homework was always journaling. And journaling is still important. There, there's a lot of really cool research behind journaling. This is just like the ultimate homework assignment uh, for, for folks in therapy, it's, it's, I think, you know, with all the health benefits that we associate with an increased in heart rate variability, um, uh, like I, this just, I, I really believe is a huge revolution that, that your book really gives us a roadmap, uh, to, to help implement both, uh, into our personal lives for our family members, uh, loved ones, but also, you know, if you're into helping healing, or if you're a trainer, uh, if you're a coach, uh, like I said, getting people to do this and practice this between sessions, between workouts, is just going to boost your outcomes and your work with folks. So um, it's exciting to be like right at the you know beginning of this wave uh, and uh, uh, swimming out there with you, my friend. So thank you. 
Uh, like I said, we've got some really incredible updates uh, to the app coming out around this, which you know I'm going to have to have you back uh, to to talk about because we're we're even taking this up, maybe adding growth hormones to our steroid <laughs> regimen here coming up. So uh, I will continue to work on my analogy, but Ina, thank you so much. And as always, you can find show notes, links, uh, reach out to us at optimalhrv.com. Uh, and uh, we would look forward to our next episode. So, Ina, thanks so much. Thank you, Matt.